I'm excited about episode two of Puck Culture. Welcome to the show because the Grim Reaper is in the house for this edition. And Stu, for anyone at home that's listening that doesn't know this, you and I have worked a lot together over the last a what, two lot. plus years? A lot. Like to the point. Well, we're in our third year. This is my third year at the network. And we, we, started, we started at the same, at the same time. time. Yeah, yeah we, we did. We started at the same time. Yeah. And I'll tell you what, the funny part is, as time evolves, I feel like I'm doing more and more NHL now for whatever reason. Yeah. Maybe that's a question for the producers here. Why am? Why are you sticking me with Jackie and EJ so much? Oh, you got a problem? No, I mean it's like I feel bad. I feel bad for you. Mix it around. Mix it around. No, Get some it's other good. It's talking good. heads in there. It is. But I, we're on a lot together. That's we the are. Point but we have, a, we have a three-day rule. Yeah. We know this. Yeah, we talk we, about it all the time. That we do three days and then and then we part ways. And, and we're violating the rule today because we've worked Monday, Tuesday. Yes. Leading up to today, Wednesday, we're doing a podcast together. Right now, yeah. as we're speaking, this is a podcast, and then we'll do NHL now later today. That's four times in three days. That's a violation of. It's not so much my rule; it's your it's rule. It's my rule, but it's not. It's not a day <laughs> violation. There's no show cap. I guess it's just so. three days in a row, so. and then I you got to so. switch it up. You know, keep it fresh for the people. But this is puck culture. If you're listening for the first time, we talk all things hockey, but we also incorporate a little bit of entertainment. We talk to celebrities. We're going to have yeah. uh, Nicole Anderson on the show a little bit later. She is a hockey fights cancer ambassador. She was the official ambassador a couple of years ago. She's the wife of Craig Anderson and wife uh, to a goaltender. I'm. I got. I got some stuff. Oh, for I know. You I got always, some stuff for her. I want to probe the inside got, of the mind yeah. of the the goaltender's wife. I want to get inside her mind. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and you, you've always got intriguing questions, so uh, you can listen for that in a little bit. But we, I mean, the Islanders do win their tenth in a row last night. We cannot record this podcast without going there. I mean, they are the real deal. It's crazy watching this team. Yeah, it, it's amazing. I, uh, I, I'm i baffled by it because, you know, I, I shouldn't say I'm baffled by it. I think it's, a, it's one of the great, wonderful surprises of the 1920 season so far is that the, um, you know, the Islanders kind of continue under this progression of, of really dramatic improvement under Barry Trotz. And, um, I, I go back to like I, I play I've known Barry since we were 16 I was 16 years of age we're in grew wow. up in the same we grew up in the same organization the Regina Pats organization so I've been around him for all my life and the other interesting thing is um, when his teams first broke into the league when he first started coaching the Predators. Barry Trotz, and this was a different era of expansion, Jackie. Like, this wasn't the Vegas Knights expansion. It yeah, was a lower... New, that's the new school. It was a lower <laughs> talent base. and But the one thing we always said, and I played against his teams as a member of the LA Kings, as a member of the Anaheim Ducks. I played against Barry Trotz Predator teams. And they weren't the most talented group out there, but the one, the one identifiable characteristic they had, they were in every game that they played. They worked hard every night. They played within that really strong defensive structure. And that's going back to you know, the, the late 90s. Yeah. And when you take that kind of discipline and you apply it to a somewhat more talented roster like the New York Islanders, or go back a little further, like the Washington Capitals, and you see the results he's had, I guess it's not surprising, but it's a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, he's, he's a heck of a coach, clearly. But what, yeah. I, what I'm enjoying about this streak the most is Islanders fans. Because they are such a vocal group of fans. I mean, last year it was all about Tavares left us. We're still upset. We're going to chant at him during the game. I mean, it was a storyline the whole year, even though the Islanders, 
you know, were doing better without John Tavares than they were with him in the lineup uh, the previous season. But now this year, it's we're the best team in New York sports right now. Pay attention to us. I think every day on NHL Now, I get a tweet from at least yeah. a handful of Islanders fans. They're saying, you didn't talk about us till the B block. Like, talk about us. I think it's amazing. I love hearing from Islanders fans because they're yeah. so passionate. Well, and they're finally getting that national attention yeah. that um, they've longed for for a long time. Well, so. remember this, too. This, uh, this is a very proud organization. You go back to when I was a young boy. I grew up watching the Islanders rattle off cup after cup after cup. Yeah. Four in a row, if I'm not mistaken. And I got to play with guys like John Tonelli uh, towards the end of his career, near the start of my career, you know, guys that are legendary. Uh, got to know Bobby Nystrom through Eric Nystrom, his, his son. So it was, a real, it was a real coup for me. But the, the amazing part about that is, like, you, you go back into Islanders folklore, they've had really some amazing teams. Hockey has been ingrained in, in that part of the country. So to see this resurgent, I mean, they just rattle off, was it 13 wins in a row? Last night was their 13th? No, 10th, 10th. Sorry, 10th win in a row. You go back to some of the glory years to find yeah. another streak like that. So I love it for Islanders fans. You know, I continue to believe they're some of the proudest, some of the most vocal and you put them inside Nassau Coliseum. If you've ever seen a building there or seen a game in that building, it's older, it's dark, it's yeah. kind of dank. It's not the biggest barn. Everything feels like it's right on top of you. But that makes for a really, really cool, it makes for a really cool atmosphere. Who did we have on the other day? We had Josh Bailey on our show the other day. And they've gotten into now, every time Josh Bailey scores a goal at home, they're doing, oh, baby. The hey, hey, hey baby. baby. They're doing that. And it I, sounds like it sounds like British uh, rules uh, soccer uh, in there. It sounds baby. like you know what's Western crazy? Europe soccer. So we talked to Josh about that the other day. And I didn't know the origin of how this started. And a, a, a passionate Islanders fan informed me on Twitter yesterday after watching the interview they said, you know, that actually started as a bad thing. It started, you know, sort of as a joke because Josh Bailey wasn't scoring. And so yeah. it was almost like they were trolling him. And then he became this this lovable character on the Islanders. And he started coming up clutch in, in playoff games and different scenarios. Yeah. And then it became a positive. It was like, but how it actually started was actually us kind of giving him the gears a little yeah, bit. Yeah, like, would yeah. you please give us a goal <laughs> uh, when he was in a rut, right? So it started out as something maybe not the greatest, but at least now it's, it's turned into uh, – something positive for everybody there and I just get an absolute kick out of out of Islanders fans I think they're I actually think they're like low-key hilarious I just think they're funny they're just like pay attention to me they're like your younger sibling that just wants you really the attention feel, you feel, so bad you feel like they're low-key uh low-key after Tavares came back for the first time last year do you remember how vocal they were yeah the they, signs that we saw oh my gosh they were so vicious. I mean they completely went off on John Tavares which was interesting I'm glad that that's in the past now but we don't you don't hear as much about it it's now. an indication of just how rabid that fan base is and it's fun I mean yeah. it's it's exciting as long as it stays within the bounds of safety and good taste I'm all yeah. for it they're uh I, hopefully they don't give me flack for this, but they're a little bit of a thirsty fan base because they're in New York yeah. where, you know, the Yankees dominate and, and football dominates sometimes. And, yeah. and even when we're talking hockey, you know, the Rangers dominate most of the time. So they're finally getting their glory. I'm happy for Islanders fans. Fun team to watch. Oh, my yeah, gosh, you're a fun team they to are. watch. Yeah, they're um, talented. It's been an interesting week, though, elsewhere. We go from Tavares' former team in the New York Islanders to his current team, the Toronto Maple Leafs. And I got so fired up about this 
on Twitter the other day when Drew Doughty was asked about the comments Ovi made yeah. about what the Leafs need to do to be successful. And I held the opinion when Ovi made his comments that, you know, you have to play differently. You have to you know, be more defensive when you get to the playoffs. You have to block shots, yada, yada, yada. Yeah. I defended Ovi. I said, yeah. he knows. He went through it all. He went yeah. through the pressure. He went through being called a player that will never win and all of that stuff. Um, so it made sense. And then when Doughty was asked about it, he responded very generally, talking yeah. about what any team needs to do to win a yeah. Stanley Cup. But the way that it was presented to the public by yeah. a, more than one publication or outlet yeah. was that he was giving his thoughts on how the Leafs need to play differently. Yeah. And I didn't think it was fair before he responded to the comments. But then I got even more upset when he did respond to the way that it was, it was published because he is – a very rare individual in the NHL in that he is always honest and he is always candid. Yeah. And Stu, we are in jeopardy of losing but here's that the honesty from Doughty. Before we yeah. dive into it, let's just for the people at home, listen to Drew Doughty's response to how everything played out in the media with his comments. Here's what he had to say. Oh, I wasn't talking about them necessarily. The guy asked me, you know, Ovechkin commented about something about how teams need to play differently when it gets to playoffs. So I wasn't commenting on Toronto at all. I was just commenting on winning the Stanley Cup in general. If you guys want us to like be able to say things and be honest with you, and then you're going to go run with it and you know just get attacked by it, I'm, we're just going to stop talking. So that's it. Like yesterday, I didn't even know I said anything bad, and then here we go again. It's like I don't even know what to say. So the part of that that jumped out to me, Stu, was him saying, <laughs> I didn't even know I said anything bad. Yeah. Um, what's your, as a former player, sort of your opinion or reaction on how this all played out because I I for one I felt bad for Drew Doughty yeah and as a former player I was always one who was really cautious about anything that I said because I've been fried by the media before as well you can they can take a very small thing they can amplify it they can use it against you and ours is a culture where you know we don't really say anything or do anything to kind of humiliate uh, or, or cast our even our opponent in a bad light, it just it'll come back to bite you. There's That's a bit of a code the there, coach. right? Within the There's respect of there. the players. Yeah, I mean, you know, so we're seeing the Kachuk versus Dowdy. We're seeing that kind of thing. But that's pretty isolated. It doesn't happen a lot. Uh, these guys just go at it hard, and they're not shy to kind of talk about it. But really, where a team or your opponent more generally is concerned, ours is one where you just kind of you respect what they got going on. Don't speak into their space. Don't 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 try to 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 put them in a bad light because it'll come back to bite you. The game, you hear me say this often, Jackie. The game will humble you. But you know, ours is a sport now, and all sports are like this, where they're growing in popularity, and with social media and the innovation of the internet, there are so many different outlets. Uh, out there competing to to have the next sexy sensational headline it's just become to get the clicks to get the clicks and it's just become fever pitch so so now when somebody says something like Dowdy did in a really and Ovi was the same way I agree with you these were really generalized comments about what it takes to win in a broader context not leveled at the Leafs necessarily yes said in front of Toronto media but it's not you know an indictment of the Leafs so to go off on these guys and to, to sensationalize just, and amplify what they're saying and kind of spin what they're saying and have it come back uh, against them. I mean, I'm with you and I'm with Dowdy. Be careful how you do this because we're going to we're it's not far away that we'll be operating in a world where 
all of these guys will 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 close us down and they won't let us it's, allow it, us to peek behind the curtain. It's sort of this hypocritical thing, right, where we, we, we're constantly like, oh, hockey players are boring. We want them to have more personality. We want to know what these guys are like off the ice. What are they like behind the scenes? But then any time or most of the time when they do say something they really think or they do sort of, you know, break the mold and show you who they really are, they get flack for it. It's, yeah. it's, it's That's a tough spot to put an athlete yeah. in, especially when they're they're facing the media day in and day out. And, you know, Toronto, and, and we'll put Montreal in there too, they, they are the hotbeds of hockey culture, yeah. right? Like that is where well, there's the most pressure, the, the, the fan bases are passionate, and, and more than that, outside of hockey, they are the number one sport in those cities. They're not competing with the, with the baseball team, yeah. with the, you know, with anything else. So it's, it's a high-pressure market in both Toronto and Montreal. Do you believe that there is a section of players in the NHL that don't care to play in a market like that because oh, of the media I think, and the risk that comes with it. I think if you polled the players, if you polled 700 plus players across the NHL, and you know, given a choice between two teams, the money is the same and the opportunity to win is the same. Would you go to a tr market like Toronto versus a market like just? I'll pick Nashville because it's close to home for me. Right. It actually is home for me. I think I think you'd find the overwhelming majority of players say. I'd prefer to go somewhere where the media speculation spotlight it burns just a little less it brightly. Takes, I think it takes us it takes a certain type of individual yeah. to thrive in that type of environment. I mean, yeah. you look at Phil Kessel's years in Toronto, right? They were very tumultuous. That could oh, not yeah. have been easy for someone like that to go every day and have to deal with yeah. the ridicule, then the love, then the ridicule, then the said, love. I have said for years and years, you know, for a market like Toronto, Montreal is very similar just in terms of how fever pitch hockey is there, just how closely the close the scrutiny is. It's a really hard place, market, for a young player to develop and especially a goaltender because the scrutiny can be intense. And really, heading into that market, if you've signed up for that as a young player, I'll tell you what. You just gotta, you gotta tune it. You gotta find a way to tune it out. Don't listen to it as you drive to the yeah. rink in the morning. Don't read a paper the next day. Just stay off your phone and stay out of it. Well, you know, Darcy Tucker was asked about this whole situation uh, on Toronto radio a couple of days ago, and he talked about in his days, right, when he played for the Leafs, they were making the playoffs every year. Yeah. But there was there was criticism and scrutiny came, that came with that yeah. team as well. And his whole thing or piece of advice to anybody that's ever plays for the Leafs was you got to change the narrative because you're yeah. never going to control right. what they write about you. All yeah. you can do is control what you do on yeah. the ice and the things that that come out of your mouth. You know, um, but it's it's I've I have heard numerous superstar level players yeah. over my short time yeah. uh, in sports less than a decade say they, they would never want to play in Toronto. This, this is kind of to your point, but this is one area where I give Mike Babcock, the coach of the Maple Leafs, a lot of credit because I remember early in his tenure, I was in kind of a broader seminar. It was a media seminar, and he was one of the speakers. It was early in his tenure as the, the head coach of the Leafs, and he addressed this very point with his players, how hard it is to play there. And the message was really simple. When you're great, when you're good, don't be afraid to take ownership of that. You know, don't be afraid to, yeah, this is what we did right and deflect some of the attention to the, your other teammates. But when but when you fail or, or when you make a mistake, you got to take ownership of that too, where the media is concerned. So there's good times, there's bad. 
be a professional, own up to it in either case, but beyond that, just kind of move on. And I think that, you know, easier that's said than done, though. It really is. I mean, when I no think question about... about it, but that's a dynamic you really have to address in that market as opposed to maybe 15 or so of the other markets across yeah. the NHL. It's just a different dynamic. And I lived there for two years when I worked as in house counsel for the union. And I was, I mean, Nobody loves their Leafs more than Leafs fans when the team's going well, but nobody more loves to hate the Leafs more than Leafs fans when it's going bad. They're it's passionate. almost it's cannibalistic in in some respects. So, it's it's a but it's an interesting you know, market. It really is. It's funny because I remember one of my first experiences in hockey. I I would go to the Leafs games and I, I was a microphone holder, right? Like yeah. I would just hold the mic before the game. Yeah hold the mic after the game, get the sound. I was way too terrified to ask any questions because yeah. I was, you know, first job in sports. Right, didn't, I right. was terrified, really, if I'm being honest. And I'll never forget one day waiting for the camera guy to sort of pack up all the equipment. I was outside the dressing room. He was kind of getting his, all his stuff together. And a West Coast team was, was in Toronto that day, and yeah. the morning skates had just happened. And a couple of superstar level players on this team, I won't name them, but they were having a conversation with some friends and family that were there, there to watch the game. Yeah. And, the, you know, their friends were saying, like, how do you do this every day? Like, every day. Where we play, there's like one camera and a handful of writers. Like, this is not what we deal with. Yeah. And both guys were telling their friends and family, like, I would never want to play here. I couldn't do it. I couldn't, yeah. I couldn't deal with the pressure and the media attention that you get every day. They were talking about how they like to, you know, outside the rink, go for dinner, go do their thing, and not necessarily have to hear about yeah. the mistake they made the night before on one shift of the game that costs, you know, no goal, let alone a goal. Yeah. So um, you know, I've heard it more. I've heard it more and more and more as I, you know, get more experience in covering the game. But it's interesting. My personal experience as a player. So I, you know, playing the role that I did, a physical role. I honestly, it's not that hey, I. You would have garnered no attention for the no role you played. No attention whatsoever. No <laughs> attention whatsoever. And when I played for the Blackhawks, Toronto was in our division, so we were locking horns, you know, several times a year. But we would go into Toronto, and I play that physical role. And it's not that I would, you know, I, I would, I would say, I'm, there's no chance that I'm going to get into it with anybody. But if I, my, my point is, Jackie, if I could avoid it. Because I didn't want to, you know, I didn't want to kind of put myself necessarily in that stage in front of really it's the it's the mecca of the hockey world. This is the 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 epicenter, the nervous center, and I uh, I I would just I would avoid it if I could. So which is crazy making, to think about. You're like you were avoiding doing the thing very thing you were there to do. I sure wasn't going out of my way to get into it necessarily. Yeah. And maybe there's a different mindset from one player to another. One might kind of engage because you're going into that market and you want to make a splash in that market. But I'll tell you what, there's a lot of us that go into that market, into Toronto as a visitor. And at least in the early going, you're squeezing the stick a little bit tighter because, you know, I mean, show up for morning skate. There are dozens of media outlets there to greet you as opposed to being in Raleigh, North Carolina when they first started. And there's a beat writer from the paper and there's your local radio guy. Yeah, you know, there's, there's two guys show up. 
and they have microphones. <laughs> yeah, and you know, for a veteran like Drew Doughty to sort of bring it full circle, it's not like that was his first time facing the media. No. He knows, Drew Doughty this knows when guy. he says something yeah. that is yeah. going to get attention. Like when he talks yeah. about Matthew Kachuk, yeah. he knows he's stirring yeah. the pot and something's going to happen. He's been around yeah. long enough. So for him to say, I yeah. didn't even know I said anything wrong, right. tells you sort of the level that it's at. But I, I honestly, even with the Doughty stuff, I think we're going to see more of it. I think. Yeah. They're well, gonna, the Toronto media will continue to ask gonna, superstar players about I was going to make this point, too, because in the broader context, if you think about it, and this isn't just on the media, this is in us as consumers of news, as consumers of sports information, as consumers of, you know, celebrity gossip. Politics. We all live, politics especially, yeah. we live in a gotcha society now because we see how, how, how prominent these little hits become over time everybody with a camera out there is potentially the next news source and we all love to read these little gotcha moments but i think as a society there's a lesson to take from all this let's just be careful how we position you know the next so-called you know sensationalistic uh, news story or sports story because everybody's capable of making a mistake. Nobody's perfect. Yeah. And, and you've got to kind of look at the bigger picture. That's hard to do in our society today. Oh, yeah. We're different. He's, We've changed that way. Context is important. I think that's the lesson. You made a really good figure point. Figure out context the context of the comments before you react and to them. And Dowdy's comments were made in a general, not Leaf-specific context. Yeah. And, and he's expressing his disdain for the media in, in the comments that we listened to exactly. earlier. Exactly. I'll no tell you question. what, I'm, I'm glad I'm not a beat writer that needs to get those types of comments every day. I just yeah. go and try to have fun and talk about, you know, people's pets yeah. and all that, that non-serious <laughs> stuff. That way nobody can get mad at me, at least we don't I do, hope not. We don't do gotcha at NHL yeah, Network. We no, don't do we gotcha. don't. We don't. We just, we just talk about the game that we love. But someone that, you know, is no stranger to the Leafs fan base and the passion that comes with that city is Nicole Anderson. Yeah. She's going to join us next. She is the wife of goaltender Craig. Anderson, who of course plays for the Ottawa Senators, that Battle of Ontario has been very real um, at times over the last couple of decades. So uh, she's no stranger to that. She is also an ambassador for Hockey Fights Cancer. She was the official ambassador for Hockey Fights Cancer a couple of years ago. She joins us now. Nicole, thanks for doing the show. We appreciate the time. How are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you? We are fantastic. It's a pleasure to have you on the show. We're going to talk Hockey Fights Cancer. I know you're very involved with that again this year, but we wanted to just have a little fun off the top. Where, where are you calling us from right now? I am calling from South Florida. Oh, what my takes gosh. You to, what takes you to South Florida? Vacation? No, actually, this is where me and Craig met. When he played for the Panthers, I oh. lived here. I was teaching school, and my only contract with Craig through this whole journey is when it's all over, we live in Florida. Oh, <laughs> well, okay. Amazing. No, no knock on the fine folks in Ottawa, Ontario, but if I had my Weather's choice. Weather's a little different. Yeah. Weather's a little different. Uh, probably a different planet, really, when yeah. you contrast the two. I'd end up in South Florida, too. It's a sweet spot. But you know what? If I could bring anything from Ottawa to Florida, it's the people in the community. Like, yeah. Canadian oh, well people said. are just beautiful they're nice and the whole community is awesome in ottawa yeah. uh what what grade did you teach oh i taught fourth grade oh my so how old are kids when they're in fourth grade like eight nine oh, okay eight, that's nine years old that's a fun age oh yeah absolutely they're still innocent right. and they want to learn they love their <laughs> teacher a little bit still so it's good uh, right will you will you go back to teaching in the after hockey life nicole or are your hockey fights cancer responsibilities just uh that, that's your new focus. That's that's your important emphasis now. Well, if I could do it all, 
I would love to in the perfect world. Yeah. But absolutely, um, right now, I'm still substituting. So I have a job next week subbing for another teacher down here. I love kids. I love to teach. But that brings my passion over to Hockey Fights Cancer. It's bigger. Yeah. And it's like I'm so much knowledge from that. Like, I feel like I can't walk away from helping the cancer world either. Oh, you are a sweet, You know what? Sweet you, you just sound like you've got so much going on. Like, how... How awesome is it to have a husband who also has a lot going on to be so supportive of you sort of having your own thing, doing your own thing on the side? I mean, the fact that you still teach, I love that. Um, Craig understood from the get-go. I'm a very independent person. And even though we're apart, like a little bit with this last year of his contract on the contract, um, I've always been independent. So I like to do my own thing. And I love hockey. And don't get me wrong, I love going to the games. I lived it like almost every day because I left teaching a little bit to go to Colorado and to go to Ottawa. But I always struggled missing my own thing. And he knows how important it is to complete myself. So like he understands. Do you think do you think his life? Do you think that's like a common sort of thing that women who are dating or married to professional athletes sort of go through just that that way to find the balance of being supportive, but also, you know, having your own thing? No, I have watched a bunch of the girls in the league do their own thing, and it, it, it's amazing to see because you could get trapped in this world where you go to the hockey game, you take care of them, and you miss yourself. And I admire there's so many women in the league that have their own blogs or some of them even, like, work full-time and do 100 different things. So I think it's very important That's that awesome. everybody has their own thing. Nicole, we, we thank you. We applaud you for your role in the Hockey Fights Cancer Space and the ambassador that you have been. But I, I talk to people all the time who kind of step into a cause like this, and their ambitions are to do some good. But the amazing part is they come away almost, you know, absorbing or, or taking a gift themselves. Has that been your experience? What, what you know, what has your journey taught you what has your journey showed you what what amazing people and and stories have you kind of experienced over your your few years in that role um i think going through cancer and walking into that office and being diagnosed and not knowing what quote radiation really is or chemo really is even though i taught it was a whole different world i didn't know and to have a platform like this to give back and be able to educate other people. Like people think cancer, okay, you're over it and there's so much more that goes on after it that if I can give back help, even raise money for a little cause to help even like we're doing a Hockey Fights Cancer fundraiser with two other girls in the league to give back to the Hope Lodge, it's meaningful impact. And if I'm allowed, able to do that, it's more rewarding for me to be able to give back because I, I've been there. So like there's so many people who don't know so much that if I can give them a piece to even help their day, make them smile, or even sit there and have a conversation with them, I don't know. Yeah. It's just very self-rewarding to help. Yeah, well, and, and listen, observing from a distance, we know the impact that, uh, that you've made. But listen, if we, in our time with you, if we can, I'd love to pivot more to the personal <laughs> side. And, and I want to share with you, I, I get the sense, just the interviews I've seen and being around, your husband, he kind of breaks the rule. He's not one of our quirky kind of offbeat goaltenders, but I hope you're going to tell me different. Are you are you <laughs> able to kind of share what's what's life like living with a goaltender? As an ex-player, I am fascinated by the species of person. <laughs> well, I will say this. Do I think goalies are their own breed? Absolutely. Yeah. Because I, I never was into hockey until I 
stayed at Craig and went to my first hockey game. He literally thought I lived under a rock. And I was like, I don't watch hockey, but I'll go. <laughs> and <laughs> the last 10 years and watching goalies, they are different. I feel like Craig is an introverted person. So yeah. he's more quiet. Um, he's a racing guru. Like, he's into racing. So, like, I know some of them like to golf and do his thing. But oh, yeah. he finds avenues outside the game that he, like, dives into. And it keeps his mind off of that daily grind I want to say yeah. what, what kind of racing does he like is it like Formula One is it NASCAR like what do you know do you know what kind of right racing he follows so if it was up to Craig and I'm not up on all the lingo of racing because to me the oil the track it just does not smell nice to me. <laughs> <laughs> fair enough I I would say like he likes all that novice racing in the summer like where they go to the campsites and they all do novice racing I know that um Travis and Trevor up at the Kawabogi track in Ottawa, like he has united with them. But he likes Formula One. I'll be honest with you, if there's any race on the TV, he'll watch it. Like for his birthday, I surprised him with um, going to, oh, my goodness, the Indy 500. And that was my first race. So, like, I think he just likes the excitement of all of it. And his dad used to race cars. So it's like a very interesting. Okay, Okay. there's where it comes from. I got it. I got it. Okay, that's cool. I didn't. I didn't know that about him. So it's racing fan. It's. It's. You make a good point though, because a lot. You know, you think hockey players. It's like a lot of them like to golf, and it's a lot of the same sort of stuff. So, cool to hear something a little bit. Golfing for him makes him cringe. He's like, I hate to golf. (laughs) Yes, honesty. I love it. A good walk spoiled. I'm with him. A good walk spoiled. That's golf. Nicole, earlier in the show, we were kind of talking about, you know, the media responsibility that comes along with being a a professional athlete. And I'm sure you've dealt with it, too, in doing your stuff with Hockey Fights Cancer. And I don't know if you saw the story uh, about Drew Doughty sort of having his comments twisted the other day. But just as somebody that, you know, is is close to someone in the game and and has experienced the uh, market that is Toronto and the Battle of Ontario between the Leafs and the Sens, just sort of your take on on the pressure that comes along with, with, you know, playing the position of a goaltender and then the media, um, you know, coverage that comes with it. (laughs) Oh, this question just makes me, like, laugh inside, actually. Um, <laughs> well, I, I look at it like this. After all of it, like, the media has a job to do, and it's to sell the game in a way. Right. But also, when a goalie wins, a goalie is shines in the media. When the goalie loses, the whole game is blamed on the goalie. And that's the way, like, your perception of the world sees it all. Like, a goalie can make... 20 to 30, like, saves a night. But there could be five scoring chances that are, like, six saves. But because because you let one of them in, you're terrible. But it shouldn't even have been a breakaway two-on-one. But the media has to cue in on that bad thing. But no one watched the whole game. Yeah. So, like, I have to remove myself from that because yeah. I love a lot of the media guys, too, because I know them. So they're doing their job. And I don't know. I think it's a vicious cycle. With no, the media. that makes sense. Spoken like a true goaltender's wife, the it's, advocate you know, for the goaltender. She makes a good point, no, though, no, no, because like, when absolutely. a goaltender has a good night, if someone yeah. on their team scores two goals and has an assist, yeah. that's what people are going to well, write about, which I understand. But it would be, it would be, it would be difficult to sort of deal with that yeah. on a night-to-night basis. Well, and Nicole makes another interesting point too. You know, you can't just look at the raw statistics. You know, the quality of chances and shots that a goaltender faces on any given night. That can dictate how successful yeah. or not successful 
that person is. So you live with the peaks and the valleys. Yeah, one hundred percent. Right. So I, I personally, sometimes I just have to like, I don't the comments on Twitter or yeah. anything oh, yeah. because I'm like. These people don't understand. Yeah, yeah, social media is a whole other uh, can yeah. of worms, that for sure. But, you know, we had um, Carl Subban on NHL Network last year, and he talked about his three boys, one of which is a goaltender. And he said he's the hardest kid to watch because he's like, I can't yeah. handle it. It's yeah. like I'm too – he's the one that he worries about the most when he's watching the games is, is, his, is his goaltender son. So, And it's a good point. Like my in-laws, they told me growing up, we sat across the rink. <laughs> He's like, I could not listen to the people around yeah, me and different yeah. things. And, yeah, it's a different position. I'm uh, trying to brainwash my kids. Like, you don't want to be a goalie. You don't want to be a goaltender. That's so funny. I love I it. I'm not a lifer. Your mom is not a lifer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Nicole, you're such a pleasure. Thank you for taking some time to chat with us. Uh, good luck with all of your Hockey Fights Cancer initiatives. And uh, for anybody listening, you can go find uh, Nicole Anderson. You're on Twitter, I, I would imagine, so people can find out how they can help, how they can contribute. Yes. All right, perfect. You can find Nicole Anderson on Twitter. Thanks, Thanks. a lot, Nicole. Thanks, Nicole. We enjoyed our time with you. Thank you. You too. Man, Nicole's so cool. Like, she just she strikes me as a cool chick. Great. I like the, uh, I like she gave us a little background on uh, Craig and the way he operates, too. Yeah, she was totally and, open to anti -golf, the Anti-golf, but loves racing. I, there's a, a goaltender I played with when I was uh, early in my career, Eddie Belfer. He was a complete Eddie muscle the car Eagle. freak. He was a complete muscle car freak. He he worked on his own cars. He had this whole fleet of muscle cars. I'll tell you what, he's I find Ed Belfour like fascinating. <laughs> oh, he's obviously. Out there. And I think like I would love to have Ed Belfour on this show yeah. to just pick his brain about who he is. He'd love to he come seems, on. He's uh he's, he's actually You got created. the hookups too? I think we can get him on. Yeah. Um, all right. I, uh, you know, we were kind of riffing on the whole Dowdy, the media, all of that stuff earlier. I so I threw out to Twitter. I wanted to know what other people were fired up about because I, I think it's important to incorporate our audience into the show. So oh, good. I'm going to just wing it here, open up my Twitter account and, and fire some of these at you. Okay. Okay. Um, okay. The first one is from David. Um. Uh, he says, bad boys three looks good. Uh, not oh, right hockey. on point. Right on point then. Right on point. What's right off Ben Belfour, right? Bad Boys up? 3. Yeah. There you go. Who's in Bad Boys 3? Does that give you any idea? I actually don't know. I assume this, the, the cast is returning. Yeah. Some of the main cast. All right. All right. Um, I'll watch the trailer after we sign off. Um, Chris Hines says the Avs have been playing terrible. Their efforts have been brutal. This is not a Landis Cog Rantanen thing. It's not a Landeskog Rantanen thing. Yeah, it's not the injuries. It's the oh, effort. Oh, I don't know. If you go back to a time when Landeskog and Rantanen, I mean, here's the thing. You take two important pieces like that out of the lineup, everybody all of a sudden is sitting in a different chair, the wrong seat on the bus, we like to say in hockey parlance, and it takes a while to adjust to that. I think the Avs will improve as time wears on, but there's no question. Yeah. Once those two guys get back in the mix, they're, that's, it's been, that's, it's, that's, a, that's a maturing, improving uh, team, they're I'll tell you what, though, in the right those direction. injuries were well-timed for the Dallas Stars, just saying. Yeah. Uh, Call Me Jake says, Leaf fans that don't act like Leaf fans, I've cheered for them 62 years, and I hate Leafs Twitter. Yes, Jake, I am with you. We All Leafs fans, I'm, I grew up a Leafs fan, all Leafs fans get painted with the same brush. It's yeah. BS. Yeah. We're not all the same. Yeah, there's, there there's is, a lot of them There is the there. stereotypical Leafs yeah. fan, yeah. and that there, there actually are some of us that aren't as loud. I know yeah. I'm loud, but I'm not loud. I, I will say it's a good point. Most of the people I know in my, you know, my social circle who are diehard Leafs fans, you know, 
they, of course, love them in good times, and they're disappointed in bad times. But there's this, which is different from this whole sector of other fans out there, having lived in that market. I mean, it gets nasty, especially on social media. Let me tell you something, media. though. Let me tell when you something. When the Leafs are <laughs> off their game, it gets nasty. It does. But I will say, now that I've been in the United States for a couple of years covering hockey, yeah. there are other fan bases that are there's sensitive fan bases. They're overreactionary. There are other fan bases that have their own yeah. flaws. I mean, come on. Okay, uh, Dennis says Canada Russia series. Uh, 72. I was like, what? Summit, what? Summit what series? year are we talking about? Right 72. Now? We're going back to 72 with that? Oh my gosh. Who well, knows? it was uh, it was 70s night at Vancouver last night. Okay. And you and I dressed up for it. Oh yeah, we were set. We were dressed 70s. We were dressed uh, I post. Up for it. Oh, here's the thing about. Here's what I love about when Stu Grimson's on NHL now. Stu Grimson takes the best pictures for the gram. Like you're like you have become my Instagram guy. It's like the hype if you're girl. on the it's show. It's the hype girl. I can hit the high shots. I can hit the low shots. I got an angle that a lot of your other cohorts minion minion analysts <laughs> don't have. Fair. Enough. All right, I'm going to give you one more. This one's from Jeff Adams. He wants to know between Buffalo. Well, first of all, he he rhymed off like a how much wood could a woodchuck chuck if a woodchuck could chuck wood, which I'm very good at. Don't even test me on it. All right. But his actual question was between Buffalo, Arizona, Florida, Vancouver, and Edmonton, which teams do you see making the playoffs of that Ooh, group? So it's Buffalo, Arizona, Florida, Vancouver. I have my answer. Can I give my answer? Uh, of of them, and you can take you can as take many more as than you one. want. Yep. And, okay, go ahead. I'll, I think Van the Vancouver Canucks are making the playoffs for sure. And you know what? I think Arizona can make the playoffs too. Yeah, Arizona's the only one I'm a wee bit suspicious about. I don't really? know if they get the offensive support. I don't know if they sustain You're it not worried for about an 82 Edmonton? game schedule. Uh, no, I think Edmonton really their top six. I worry about the way they defend, and they seem to be get pretty pretty decent goaltending. Ooh. I don't know. Edmonton's just off on too hot a start. I I think it's you know, barring injuries for me, I don't know. I I continue to be strong on Edmonton. Oh, really? I am not that strong on Edmonton. Yeah. I mean, listen, McDavid and Drysaddle are insane, and James Neal has obviously added to the mix, and Mike Smith you know, is providing some goaltending, which they've needed yeah. for a long time. But I just don't know if if, if they have enough depth. But maybe they do. I guess we'll they find out. They got something special going on there, and it's been a long what? time coming. I disagree, but yeah. I guess I guess time will tell. Uh, let's get to our last segment of the show. We do this on every show, Stu. Here's how it works. Every week, our player analyst is going to try to one-up the story of the oh, last player analyst. Okay. So last week, Scott Hartnell, Hartsey, told us a story about being on the set of This Is 40. He met, um, he met, uh, what is her name? <laughs> super hot. Megan Fox. Megan I was going to be like, super hot. Who is that girl? Megan Fox, yada, yada, yada. So yeah. the floor is yours to try to one-up. Did one he have up. a speaking part in that movie? I think he had one line. One line yeah. on how many words were in that line? I he think said it was like a 60-second scene. scene. It was yeah. like short. Is he the guy that loses his teeth no, when somebody swallows no. the teeth? No, that was his teammate. Was it Toffoli maybe? I can't remember who it was, but yeah, teammate at the time. I, I think I got one to, to match that. Early in my career, I played with the Chicago Blackhawks in the early 90s. And if you remember, SCTV was really big, like Second City Television down in Chicago. John Candy had he'd been rattling off all those John Hughes 
uh, films. The legendary you know, John the Candy. The legendary John Candy. Of course, being a Canadian, he loved hockey. He'd come out and see us as often, you know, as his schedule permitted. And we'd often, you know, be out at a All bar right, on Division Street downtown. Get to the goods. Have John you ever Candy's done shots with, us. with John Candy? No, I never did shots with John Candy. I never did that. I wish I could tell you that, but oh. I never did shot with John Candy. But well, you didn't, but you beers. hung out with him. We had beers. We had okay, beers. well, that's better. It was like, yeah. Beers. I mean, that's cool. You say it so casually. Such like, a oh, nice I just, guy. Incredibly. I just I hung out with John Candy, one as of the most famous star, Canadian comedians of all time. As big a star as he was, you know, you get him in a social circle like that, and he was what just. What was he the, like? He's just really, I wouldn't say soft spoken, because he's a really jovial, you know, loves to laugh, laugh the entire time. You're with him, but a really warm-hearted guy. He was just a lot of fun to be around. Oh, really? Oh, he was fantastic. Oh, that's fantastic awesome, guy. How much did he? How much did he talk hockey when he was with oh, you guys? Oh, he loved to talk hockey. Absolutely, that's all he wanted to talk about. Yeah. Yeah. Of course, we're probing him for you know SCTV celebrity and stuff. celebrity stories, yeah. and he's probing us for for hockey stories. But we used to get a lot of celebrities out uh, back in Chicago in those days. Of course, Vince Vaughn comes around a lot now, but uh, Jim Belushi used to come around a lot. Oh, that's well. cool. Yeah, it was great. That's cool. It was a lot of fun. Him and Candy were real good buddies. Okay, I like that. I like that. That's a good story. I think I'll give I'll give the edge to you. Okay. I'll give the because you know. I'm trying. I don't to, think people call Megan Fox a legend. No disrespect to Megan Fox. It's well, just here's here's different. the thing. I'm trying to man like I'm here this week one upping Scott from last week, and I understand next week as You're I'm back. back again. I'm kind of managing my uh, one-upmanship because I gotta speak to this next week. So I'm you know, this is called one-up management. What I'm doing oh, okay. now, I'm positioning my stories. All right. So, so well, you know what, I don't this want to blow fun. the lid off. I don't want to blow the lid off the place right at this point. No, that's smart. You're 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 being strategic about it, which I, I respect. Suppose. I suppose. Uh, this has been case. fun. It's been fun talking to you. Have you enjoyed it? I have. I actually. Really I've enjoyed have. it. Yeah. 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 Hopefully, we'll everyone at home enjoyed it. Do it all it again in a couple hours. Yeah, you're going to be back. Well, we're going to be on the <laughs> network later, but we're also going to be back uh, next week for the next, next week. Episode I'm of looking Pop forward Culture. to it. It'll be great. Uh, as well, if you have any questions or thoughts for Stu, he will be back next week. Yep. So hit us up on Twitter. Yeah. Um, with the hashtag puck culture and uh, we'll see if we can get some uh, some of the people's questions and don't necessarily make the questions about the game they can you be about see anything. on the ice let's talk about the culture of yeah. hockey like what's going on in the room or yeah maybe we should in and next around week, the game next week i think we should get into sort of the the whole like dressing room code i've always been fascinated by the that sort kind of, of the code uh of the players but uh it's Peek been a good time the next week Thank you for listening to Puck Culture. Uh, we appreciate it. If you haven't picked up um, Stu Grimson's book as well, uh, oh, you can Jackie. also find there that. You I go. plug, plug it like it's my job. Grim Reaper book again. He's, uh, he's, not, he's not paying me, but uh, yes, uh, it's a great book. Lots of great stories in there. And uh, if you like this podcast, there are a family of podcasts uh, being produced by the NHL right now. One of my personal favorites, the Fantasy on Ice podcast, because I play fantasy hockey and I thoroughly enjoy it. Executive Suite is another one if you're into sit-down interviews. Uh, you can get some fantastic stuff there as well to find out a little bit more about some of these front office executives in the league. It's all a good time. Thanks for listening to this edition of Puck Culture. I'm Jackie Redman. He's Stu Grimson or the Grim Reaper, and uh, we'll see you next week.